0: you're listening to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Kelsey. We're two former next door neighbors and good friends who love a good chat and a good laugh. We're inviting you to come on in, have a drink and stay a while. Hey friend. Hey friend. Okay. Today's episode is going to be a deep
1: one. We are talking all about faith, the role it has played in our lives, any big shifts that have happened for us, the way we view spirituality currently and some thoughts on raising kids in faith. But before we dive into that, let's do a little neighborhood news and talk about something I'm going to call heat habits. I like it. Which we talked about in our text message exchange the other day. It is hot, hot, hot everywhere this summer. And as we are recording this, we are experiencing more than one week Mm -hmm. of 110 plus temperatures here in Arizona, which is not rare for us this time of year. But the monsoon rain hasn't really come in yet. And we are just hot. It's relentless right now. So It is that time of year where we turn to anything we can for some semblance of relief from the Relentless Sun. What are your most recent things you've done to mentally cope? We were texting about.
0: Yes, I am into this. You have to be. I am leaning all the way in to planning for back to school and fall. Yeah. (laughs) We are about to go back to school. It will still be hot for a long time, but that just feels like a new season.
1: I think starting school a little earlier than I normally do or intended to has really helped me cope.
0: Yeah, Yeah, because you kind of change at least the rhythm yes. of life, and you know yes. that that will bring you into better weather right. and like your fall routines and things. And as I was just joking with you before we started, I want to hear about everyone's new school yeah, routines you were and so fall routines. When I was telling you. <laughs> Yes. I don't know. Just anyone talking about routine. I think because routine feels so absent from my life right now here before we have started school that I'm just craving it. So I want to hear about anyone's. <laughs> and then also, uh, I was putting in a target order the other day for all the school supplies that my kids will need. And I sure did put some ghost leggings and a pumpkin dress yeah, in you my did. cart for Maeve. Yeah, you did. I was like, Oh, we've got some Halloween clothes. Get think, it, I, think get I've it got a comfort by, by those. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, that, that is how I'm coping. I'm just kind of daydreaming, living in fall and living in full denial. And it's, yeah, it's working it's what great for me. Honestly. And we just
1: start earlier and earlier yeah. every year with the denial. Yes. Um, I am back on my Arctic shows. Yes. I had not been really like, okay. I feel like Really, since last summer. This and is then, just when you need them. Yeah, I literally was like, I miss it. Oh. I miss it. And so I'm loving my life below zero on Nat Geo. I'm loving any Arctic themed nature show. Uh-huh. If it's got snow and ice in it, I'm here for it. I will also tell you, related to oceans at least, okay. Jason Momoa is hosting Shark Week. Oh. So that is going to be up there also on my You're gonna shows to tuning, get me through. Tune, yeah, tuning right in. Exactly. <laughs> Aquaman himself okay and then the other thing is we were talking about is have you heard of Summer Ween <laughs> only from you <laughs> <laughs> so I follow several like bookstagram type accounts or book YouTube especially with homeschooling like that kind of overlap between like a book channel and a homeschool channel and Apparently, this is a whole thing. Hashtag summer ween. <laughs> Had not heard of kind it. Kind of like Christmas in July, right. where people just intentionally, especially with reading, like lean into like the horror and the scary reading for a week or so in the summertime right. in July. So I have a little stack of things, like a middle grade one and another one that I want to read, like sometime in the next week or so here to just
0: you know, get the fall vibes yeah. percolating, get it, get it ready. I'm here for it. Now, when you were texting me about this, a funny exchange we had was I said, I love it. And I said, haha, it's a little bit funny. It sounds a little bit inappropriate with the weed. <laughs> it and, does? and you said, yeah, I like it. I like, way. It
1: makes me like it more. Yes. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> so I like
1: that a lot. <laughs> okay. Before we even get into this, we want to start with acknowledging that talking about faith can be a very sensitive and sometimes divisive topic, and it's also just very personal. So sometimes I think we then avoid talking about it even with those we're closest to. So we are going to approach this with as much care and respect as possible while telling our own stories in the hopes that someone can relate and connect, which is just always the goal of our show. So first, let's give a brief, I don't know. I don't know if I can give any of the these answers. <laughs> yeah, briefly. Let's,
0: let's just throw that let's word give, right out the window. Let's,
1: let's throw a brief out the window. Let's give an overview about the role that faith played for each of us growing up.
0: Okay, so I did grow up going to church to the Methodist church that was, was really close, is really close to my parents' house, and went there consistently from childhood through high school. Mm-hmm. And I would say it was a pretty important part of my adolescence because we went regularly every Sunday and then when I was a bit older I went to youth group on Sunday afternoons Mm -hmm. evenings all through high school I met really good friends there um, had some great adult role models and overall it was just a really positive experience Mm -hmm. Um, and I had some good church summer camp experiences as well I personally love the practice of helping others, and I have good memories of volunteering in youth group, and I'm really thankful to have had those opportunities. Uh, We would regularly go to the Texas State Hospital where people with severe mental and physical disabilities Mm -hmm. live, and we would spend time with them and bring donations to them. We would build or fix up houses in the summer, like on mission trips Mm -hmm. to other states, Mm -hmm. and we would sometimes visit homebound people who were part of our church community. At home, I remember serving dinner um, to people who were, we kind of had this part of our church, almost kind of like a apartment or a dwelling. So people experiencing homelessness could live there mm-hmm. and we would volunteer mm-hmm. to bring meals. Um, so just really good memories of, of doing that. And I think that developed kind of that service orientation. Yeah, in especially me. at such young ages. Yeah, um I will say although we went to church on Sundays we didn't practice religion at home really in any way. Okay. Kind of, there was kind of like a separation. Mm-hmm. We didn't pray before our meals or mm-hmm. before going to bed or like our parents didn't encourage us mm-hmm. to do that. We didn't have religious themed like storybooks and yeah. things like that. So I guess in a way it it felt separate. I mean I felt like the the things that we were hearing at sermon about kindness and service and forgiveness right. i do feel like i saw my parents practicing right, those right. things but they wouldn't explain it to us like in an a way. overtly
1: religious family yeah exactly yeah.
0: They, they weren't like kind of teaching us about morals and things in uh it, like in the context of mm-hmm. church in mm-hmm. a way other than bringing us to church right. i think i think they modeled those things obviously but so anyway um Faith was really important to my grandmother, my Mm -hmm. mom's mom. And so she would send us the like Christian movies and books, like the kind that were supposed to be cool for kids, you know? And so we would watch those or read those, but that felt more like an exception to our otherwise kind of like more non-religious home, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what I remember. Okay. So first of all, I was always a little bit jealous of kids
1: like you growing up. Oh yeah. That could go to church and not have it infiltrate gotcha. every aspect of mm-hmm. life not that um not that like if something is important to you that you shouldn't incorporate it into your life but i i was like the target audience for like my parents were the target audience for those books and movies gotcha. and things like that so i grew up in a conservative um evangelical home okay. so very much in like the 90s kirk cameron you know um
0: i what's, don't even what's know what's the kirk cameron like, reference <laughs> Like, this is why
1: I'm like. Do we have five episodes to talk about? <laughs> yes, this? There's we so
0: much to yes, we do. Yes, we do.
1: Okay, Kurt Cameron is. You know who Kurt yes, Cameron is? Yes, I do. And you know he's like a super Christian now. I think I have that vague sense. And he's got like a podcast and YouTube and all of this where it's like, and he'll talk a lot about like he made a movie about like the end times. Okay, that kind of okay. He's all in, like real, like zealous, real into. Um, Infiltrating pop culture okay. with Christianity okay. kind of a thing, like only Christian music, only okay. like that kind, of. so my parents definitely went through a phase like that, like for a while we didn't celebrate Halloween even mm-hmm. um, just because it was like kind of worldly and mm-hmm. you know elevating evil or gotcha. whatever like that so th- th- they're very different now, mm-hmm. but that we definitely were in that space for a while um. When I was really young, we had kind of a small, almost like a family church, I would say, that a lot of our family members went there. My great, great grandparents helped like found it, Mm. like old school Germans in Wisconsin, you know, so like it had kind of been in the family for a long time. It was technically a congregational church, but just like kind of more old school, what you would picture, Mm. you know, hymns and pews and all of that. And then um, switched to a larger, more modern church in town, like in middle school, And I would say my youth group experience, very similar to yours. I think we had some great leadership overall. Overall, for me personally, it was a positive thing. Mm -hmm. I met some of my best friends there too, and um, who are still really great friends, and just got very involved in youth group and service and all of that kind of thing growing up, which I feel like was just a very natural way to develop some of those Mm -hmm. things, um, you know, in a young person. Uh, Mostly positive, but also lots of baggage with things like purity culture Mm -hmm. and, um, I don't know, just really like some shame based teaching, some heavy emphasis on evangelizing, Mm -hmm. which never felt right to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, so there was that, but like I said, overall with my personality, with the leadership that happened to be there at the time and the kids that were in youth group with me, I feel like it was overall a positive thing. Mm. Um, A couple of negatives that I feel like I walked away with from, from church and just like the way I was raised at home with, in terms of faith was there was always this kind of, and I think we see this a lot in evangelical culture now to an extreme measure, always this kind of us versus them. Mm. Like we were the right kind of Christians That even like, I remember hearing like that Methodists and Catholics and what like, well, but do they really have a Uh relationship with Jesus? Ah, Like it wasn't just because you might practice it differently. So that there was a right way to be a Christian. And that was emphasized often. Mm. And that everything has an easy explanation. Mm. That the Bible clearly says this and that. And not a lot was left up to interpretation. Overall, like I said, I think that my parents' faith They came from fairly broken homes that had a lot of dysfunction going on. And I think that they viewed their faith as having saved them in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. like and made them good parents. It made them loving to each other and committed to their marriage. And so they wanted us to have that. So all of that was like very, very good intentioned. I Mm want to make sure to acknowledge that. But yeah, but it comes with baggage, Mm -hmm. right? Like like a lot of things do Mm -hmm. that are well-intentioned. So that's where kind of me growing up. Okay was yeah okay thank you for sharing that (laughs) yeah okay so where would you say you currently are if you have five more hours to talk about this (laughs) in the realm of personal faith or spirituality or religion
0: okay so I guess I would say I don't feel like I occupy any of those realms because I would describe myself as a compassionate atheist yeah is how I would describe myself So it is my personal belief that there is no sentient higher power or being like God in the way that Christian faith Mm -hmm. describes him. However, I also acknowledge that I am not all knowing. Mm -hmm. And so I could be wrong. I could be wrong, which (laughs) is something
1: that was very much missing from my upbringing. The whole I could be wrong. That's a great way to put it.
0: Yeah, so I acknowledge that I could be wrong, but that is what I feel is true. So Mm -hmm. that feels true and right to me. I also, I think sometimes people who say they don't believe in God also say, but I'm a spiritual person. And I would also not describe myself that way. And I'm fine with that. I I do believe there are mysteries of life in the universe that we can never know or understand. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe in souls in like the traditional way that a spiritual person might describe. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to say I'm a compassionate atheist because I think that atheism and atheists can have a reputation for being anti-religion or just kind of being just like like cynical in general. Yeah. Cynical. Exactly. I am not anti-religion. I don't think it's wrong or ignorant for people to believe in Mm -hmm. God. I respect people's belief, Mm -hmm. whatever they believe. I I do think it's wrong to practice injustice under the veil of religion. Amen. I will say that's what I think is wrong.
1: Amen. We could <laughs> we could start our own
0: church, <laughs> which is one of my big problems with religion. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. I, I know that that certainly does not apply. I think to the majority of people, but. Um, <laughs> In kind of reflecting on how I arrived at how I feel today, I would say my feelings on kind of stepping away from religion and belief in God probably started honestly in late high school, like even while I was attending yeah. church. I I really appreciate that the church that I was a part of and the youth group that I was a part of, I think just really emphasized values and yeah. things like that and yeah. I think it left room for I think maybe questioning or just, I don't know, accepting Individual
1: interpretations of yeah. some of the harder Yeah, I think so. Right? I think yeah. there
0: was um, talk about different Bible passages mm-hmm. and, you know, we might not take this literally, right. but we take the spirit of right. it. And so anyway, so I think maybe just kind of absorbing part of that. And then I think definitely my feelings of being an atheist were solidified during college Uh and that just like felt right to me in kind Mm -hmm. of a way that I was already heading I will say I feel great about being an atheist Mm happily (laughs) atheist I it feels right to me I don't have doubts or worries that there might be a god that I should be praying to or considering Mm -hmm. in my life um and and I want to say, too, for people that believe in God and mm-hmm. practice faith and do so in ways that put good into the world, I feel great about that, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I I guess I just want to emphasize that. I guess sometimes I almost have a worry that if someone who is very religious hears that I'm an atheist, that they are, like, think that I have that you're actively or- against actively against lifestyle. or that i'm like grappling with something or i'm like yes. missing something yes. in my life and i would be happier and more content they were probably raised
1: evangelical if that's what <laughs> they
0: think <laughs> and so i i guess i just for whatever reason want to emphasize that i feel great i'm good i don't it. i don't need and it and i feel great about whatever yeah. anyone else believes yeah. as well so
1: no i think you're so great about that
0: oh thank um, you okay oh, hold on oh no one go more ahead. thing one oh more. i'm still walking down you this go road, ahead Erica. let's go let's go i'm i'm with you Okay, I will say the only thing uh, like in present day that sounds appealing to me about religion or a church would be the community. Because yeah. like I said, I do have really good memories from my childhood being part of church. I remember, I wonder if your church was like this after the service, and I guess maybe it was after the service and then maybe we would go to Sunday school after that. I don't know. But there was the hospitality room. Yeah. There was cookies. juice and coffee and cookies. Yes. Everyone's chit-chatting. Yep. I just, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love to do sit around and chit-chat And nowadays. there's less of
1: that. I feel like just institutionally in general. Now there's yes. not as many like organizations exactly. to belong to like that. Right. There's not exactly as much. Yeah.
0: so much has moved online yeah. and, and I miss that. And I, I kind of, think about that fondly and think about what that does for kids. Like, I think it's so cool for kids to be around different adults who are great role models, who Mm -hmm. are maybe going to model the same values and characters that you care about, but they're getting it from other adults. I do think that is really powerful and important. And I think that church can can conserve that role. Um, I have heard about the Unitarian Universalist Church, which is accepting of all people Mm -hmm. and all faiths and non belief Um, unfortunately there's not one anywhere near or convenient (laughs) to me. And it's, and it's not something that I, I do feel so appreciative and grateful that I have strong community in my life. So it's not like, I feel like I'm so lacking community that I want to travel like 30 minutes every Every Sunday. Exactly. (laughs) So anyway, so yeah, I will just say that. Okay. I like that. Okay. I would call myself, if
1: I had to put a label on okay, it right now. and you now, do for this podcast. I do. I have, which is why this podcast makes me a better human. I have to process Aww. things. Um, I would call myself a progressive deconstructing Christian. Oh, I like that string of words. So deconstructing because I, I would like to hold on to my faith but I want nothing to do with the way American evangelical culture has gone Mm. and really has been going for a long time, but you kind of wake up to some of it, you know what I mean? And then the deeper I dig into the roots of this country and its founding and how complicit, you know, even like the Southern Baptists and all Mm. the, the roots of like my upbringing are the more I see how it intersects with, politics and misogyny and power plays and racism I just am grossed out to be completely honest and I'm like can I take the Jesus part Mm -hmm. and the kindness part and the loving part which I think was the point anyways and you can keep the rest of it please Mm -hmm. um that's kind of where I'm at I'm a little angry I'm really uh, really heartbroken and disappointed with like the culture that i grew up in and and people that i knew and looked up to even and their response to current cultural times um covid is included in that mm-hmm. the callousness with which that was treated in a lot of evangelical spaces um i would say even though i did experience like many positive and loving things there's a lot of abuse that happens mm-hmm. in that faith tradition in particular, and, and and we're not the only ones by any means, but it's when you're talking about what you have come from, it's particularly heartbreaking, I think, to know that some other people might not have had that same experience mm-hmm. and that, that very thing that you um, benefited from in terms of like maturing and growing in empathy and values actually actively harmed other people, including definitely many like LBG- LGBTQ people. Um, the blind backing of Donald Trump – from the uh, evangelical right in this country is disgusting to me, actually. And so I have a really hard time with it. It's hard to dis... Deconstructing is literally what's happening. Like, I feel like I'm detangling what I believe from what I was taught, from what is just a cultural tradition, from Mm -hmm. what is an American thing. Mm -hmm. And it's so dysfunctionally intertwined that it is very hard to process sometimes Mm. so i think i think i'm weirdly actually more in tune with my personal faith and it feels more personal to me because i've had to take it all internal because i'm not finding what i want in the culture that i grew up with or the faith tradition i was raised in um and in fact i'm like actively headed the other way. <laughs> so, and and I think I've seen this online and I think it's very true or at least describes my experience that there's a whole lot of people in the same boat, not not because they rejected Jesus but because because they would like to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. They would like to hold on to that example and that the value and it's not being practiced mm-hmm. in places of faith. And so Yeah, and it feels more authentic to me now. I'm Mm. like, oh, I don't have to take the good with the bad. Like, I don't have to. I can reject that and hold on to what me, you know, what feels true to me. And especially growing up in a in a church that didn't have that same kind of leeway for personal interpretation Mm. and like different ways that your Christianity might play out. I felt like very stuck in a this is what a good Christian Mm. looks like or you just leave it all together like there's nothing in between or Mm -hmm. there's no way to make it your own and Mm so I think that that's actually been a good thing so I would say right now I am open to but not actively looking for a progressive Christian church that is LGBTQ affirming Mm because I think that is super important and the church is on the way wrong side of history with that one and it's just antithetical to like everything I think Jesus talked about one that welcomes women into full leadership Mm -hmm. and pastoring or any kind of participation that they feel called to do. And unless and until I find that I will not be going to church and I'll continue to sort this through on Mm -hmm. my own with books and friends and podcasts Mm -hmm. and, you know, just keep it personal, but I feel similarly to you where I kind of, I wouldn't say I miss it. Like you said, I do feel community in other senses, but there is this specific kind of like, I don't even, moral community is not the right word, but like, fellowship. yeah, it is, is it is. And like, I'm, it's so funny because so many like Christianese words are like super triggering to me. And even that's one of them, Uh but there really is a difference when, you know, you share like a way of, looking at the world mm-hmm. with people. Not that everything's perfect, not that you're going to get along with everybody, but that's what's been so hard and heartbreaking is when you think you share yeah the way of looking at the world and treating people with these people you've grown up with in some cases and then you're like, "Oh wait, I I don't I can't fellowship with you. I don't I don't think the same thing you do. Mm-hmm. I don't." And in fact, I think that's super harmful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just I'm open to it, but I'm definitely not real hopeful again and especially in the phoenix arizona area i've had very little luck finding a place Mm -hmm. like that and so again i don't want to broad stroke any one church or denomination or anything i'm just saying from my experience and and even being able to say it was mostly positive Mm -hmm. and still mostly positive for me does not mean it didn't harm a whole lot of other people Mm -hmm. so i want to just be always aware of that Mm -hmm. so yeah that is where i'm at yeah and that's like literally the shortest version of it I could think of because <laughs> there's way more. But
0: I love and respect just how much thought you're putting into it. And I love your approach of the deconstructing. And like you said, you can still hold on to and find so much value and guidance in the parts that are true for you. Mm-hmm. And you can reject the parts that, yeah, you know, like to does harmful.
1: OK, so how do you feel about raising kids when it comes to... Faith or lack of faith or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it.
0: Yeah, well, Chris and I are on the same page about not raising our kids going to church and about not teaching them that there definitely is a God. But what is important to both of us is teaching them about different religions and their philosophies Mm -hmm. and having an open mind and a respect Mm -hmm. for those. I Mm -hmm. think that's really important. And that just, that goes for, you know, everyone's different way of living and being. So we always describe things around faith and religion, kind of something like in this way, you know, some people believe this and Mm -hmm. and they do that because of this, or they feel this way, or they practice this, and it's their right to do that. And, you know, maybe a little bit more about that. Mm -hmm. And as you grow up, you can decide what feels right to you. And so we always talk about that, you know, that will come up if they have heard someone talking about heaven, which Mm -hmm. isn't something that we believe Mm -hmm. in, but we kind of describe how some different religions think about heaven, Mm -hmm. and that some people believe that and it's a really wonderful thing Mm -hmm. that they have, Mm -hmm. and that's something you can believe in. And we kind yeah. of try to leave no it. No one to really them. knows, anyways, right? Yeah. Like, technically. <laughs> right, right. So, and I will say if my kids grow up and believe in God and go to church, I won't be disappointed. Yeah. I'll feel good knowing that they made the decision for themselves and that they feel fulfilled by it. Right,
1: right. Um, yeah, this is also super hard and complicated <laughs> for me <laughs> because uh, I do see so many benefits to faith, and I do see benefits even while struggling with the really hard parts of how I was raised. Mm-hmm. And so, and it feels like this big responsibility, especially, yeah. and it was definitely harped upon growing up that like families should be like mm-hmm. you know your your first role of evangelizing is within your own family and bringing up your kids to know god and And I'm like, well, what if I'm figuring out how to know God still, right. how do we do that So that's kind of how I've approached it like mm-hmm. let's figure this out together, and kind of similar to you, like this is what people believe this is kind of what. I was taught in my church. I'm not sure if I believe that anymore. I'm working on it. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And just being very, yeah, we we learn about other religions. We learn about all of it and approach all of it with um an open mind and trying to be as non-judgmental as possible, but also calling out like that like for instance, we just started learning about the Oregon Trail today yesterday. And we are learning about manifest destiny and mm-hmm. we are learning about you know, they're, they, the video we were watching, they were saying like, they felt like it was their God given right to expand the country to the West and take it over from whoever else lived there. And my girls, I was so happy because they were just like, "Ah, that's not like, I was like, do you think that has anything to do with God or are they using God to do what they want to do? And they're like, yeah, they're using God. That's what that is. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I think that that happens a lot, you Mm know? So just like pointing out, like, if it's, I don't believe, I do believe in God. I don't know what exactly that looks like, but I don't believe that if it's got no good fruit whatsoever that it's of God.
0: Mm, I think mm -hmm. just
1: because someone brandishes that name Mm -hmm. or weaponizes scripture or whatever, it does not mean it's actually from God. And so I think I'm trying to like point that out to my kids, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, We did attend a church as a family out here until... I had both a very sexist sermon that I wanted to work, walk out of at Oof. one point, followed by a very sexist marriage group that Oof. we had joined thinking, oh, we'll meet people. This will be good. We were going through kind of a rough patch after our um, adoption was finalized and we were kind of out of survival mode. And then I had a very uncomfortable Sunday school experience with Vanessa where she, you know, we didn't go every single Sunday, but it was maybe like twice a month. So she didn't know all of the teachers and kids. And I think we hadn't been in the summer for a while. So it had been a little while and she'd moved up a grade or mm-hmm. whatever. And two times, cause the first time I was like, am I imagining that? Or like, was that weird? And then this, it happened again. So two different times there was a male Sunday school teacher and it was like for first graders, which that's fine, mm-hmm. but it was a little rare in our, especially culturally. Right. That's right. just a little more rare. And he was just very like in the kids faces And Mm -hmm. very pushy. I felt like, Mm -hmm. like didn't approach anything with like humility or like sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And I went to go pick her up from Sunday school, like after the adult service got out, and there was like a line down the hallway for this class. And he is physically stopping with his arm in front of the door each child before they leave the classroom that they have to recite the memory verse that they learned.
0: Oof! And I was number
1: one wanting some lunch. And number two, so it had happened before, but I, I, again, I kind of didn't see it. Like she saw me and kind of came out in the hallway right. and I didn't see the whole thing go down. And then it happened right in front of me. And I was like, no, we're leaving now. She doesn't need to do that. And I like took her by the hand and took her out. And it was everything in me that to be like. Let me tell you a few things. I know exactly
0: what's going on here. So anyways. Hangry former teacher Erica. Do not cross her.
1: Raised in the church. I know all the tricks. Do not. So I just felt like that is the last way I want my kids to Mm -hmm. view God and the Bible and Mm -hmm. the wisdom that can be found there and the beauty that can be found there. Like Where they're just, number one, forced to memorize crap for Mm -hmm. no reason Number two, like literally physically held against their will when their parents are coming to pick them up. And it was a very modern, you know, pretty like relevant, progress yeah. fairly progressive church, I thought. And I was like, OK, no, just because it has coffee in the lobby <laughs> and the pastors wear jeans does not mean that it's actually any different. So
0: we did not go after that. By the way, can I say I would like to be the fly on the wall or see a comedy television show based on you attending a sexist marriage oh. seminar? <laughs> Let me just tell you.
1: Poor Jeremiah got a, just an earful. We went like three times. I think it was like a weekly meeting. It was supposed to be maybe eight weeks. And I think we, we got there. The first time was just, you know, introduction, fun, whatever. Uh-huh. We didn't even split into groups. And then after the second, like, small group time, I mean, this guy just got an earful. He's like, babe, I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> I'm like, we're not going back. He's like, no, I agree. I don't want to go back, but it's just, it's, yeah, it gets, it gets heated. Um, so yeah, we've kind of left it at, um, you know, we believe in a loving creator and that he has made us all creators and made us all to be loving here on earth and introducing them to who, you know, that version of God, who Mm -hmm. we believe him to be. And then also just being very open to questions and other people's experiences and whatever they decide going from there. I also just, um, I saw so much like shunning Mm. growing up and not in some formal ways that you see on all these like cult shows, but just in very subtle, you know, oh, I'm praying for so-and-so's kid. Mm. They haven't been in church for a while or somebody Uh gets pregnant and they're 19 and just saw so much of that, that I can't, I can't even imagine doing that with my kids if they believe differently than me or like they're Mm -hmm. spoiler alert they're gonna (laughs) like they're their own humans and maybe it's not about religion but it's about any other number of things that are important to you and I just can't imagine that being like a deal breaker for our relationship Mm -hmm. ever so that's kind of where we're at with it Mm -hmm. okay so have there been any books or other resources that you found interesting about this
0: Well, I have really enjoyed reading about Buddhism and Buddhist philosophy. Mm -hmm. I don't feel very well informed. I don't know if I could have a super intelligent conversation about it, but whenever I have read about it, that feels probably like the closest thing that feels aligned with what I believe. if you were going to be spiritual. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And anything that centers nature and like the natural rhythms of the, you know, natural world or the universe resonates with me. I really enjoyed a book called The Most Good You Can Do, which is about maximizing your impact for good during your lifetime. It's not in terms of faith or religion at all, although I do think, but it's not anti-religion, like religious people would also enjoy it. And so I, I think about that sometimes. I do really appreciate people out in the world who are sharing what I believe, to be like the best version of a Christian Mm -hmm, to be mm -hmm. like a good, loving, like putting love and kindness and service into the world. Mm -hmm. And I would count those people like Glennon Doyle, Mm -hmm. like Jen Hatmaker, Carlos Whitaker. I will say I don't engage with their content a lot because I find even things that are like very open to kind of all interpretations of God. I I still don't, still doesn't really resonate with with me. Exactly. But I appreciate, and at times have found, you know, things that they have said on certain Mm -hmm. topics to feel true or just, Mm -hmm. uh, just appreciated what they had to say or like given that perspective. I have also appreciated reading novels that retell the story of Jesus in a respectful, but maybe somewhat like realistic way, like, like really, bringing him fully to life as like a full Mm -hmm. human, like Mm -hmm. more complicated human. I I personally don't believe that Jesus was the son of God, but his story is an incredibly compelling one to Mm -hmm. say the least. And it's got to be the most influential story in person, like of all time. So whatever you believe, like you have to you have to acknowledge Acknowledge that. So two that I have enjoyed, um, Lamb, have you read that one? The Gospel According to Biff, Christ's Childhood Pal. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) By Christopher Moore. I think you would like it. It's been a long time since I've read it, but I have the memory of it being, you know, I I thought respectful to Jesus. Like it didn't make him out to be like, like you know, just this big fraud, right? Yeah. exactly. And then the Book of Longings, which yes. I know we have mentioned, Ugh. and you just love. love, love I also love. really loved reading that mm-hmm. so much. I will say, I have dear friends and family. I will count you among them who faith and religion is really important to them. And I, I just appreciate having their perspectives about that in my life, mm-hmm. even if I feel differently. Mm-hmm. I just, I. I think it's so important to consider different people's perspectives, Absolutely. and you never know. Even if you don't agree completely, it could still open your mind up to I don't know just just how 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 you feel differently about something. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Okay, the last thing that I will mention, it made me think of this with you talking about your upbringing. Have you listened to the two part "A Beautiful Mess" podcast? Yes. Episodes yes. on their evangelical uh-huh. upbringings. Uh-huh. Anyway, so I Very thought, similar. Yes. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And so we'll link to those in the show notes if mm-hmm. anyone wants to listen to those. I guess whether you had a similar upbringing or not, it's just interesting to mm-hmm. hear someone talk in more detail about growing up in right. the evangelical church. Right. Okay. So I would say... Let's see. What will you say? I will say... I. I
1: had been uncomfortable with a lot of things in evangelical theology and just the overall encompassing culture for a long time, but kind of just, you know, well, this is the closest to what I believe Mm -hmm. based on how I was raised and everything. But I read probably early college um, Donald Miller's book, Blue Like Jazz, Mm -hmm. and Anne Lamott's Traveling Mercies. And I would say that those were the first thing I encountered where I felt like it wasn't all or nothing. Mm. I didn't have to just either completely walk away from God and faith or subscribe to it just as it was presented mm-hmm. to me growing up. It showed me there was a way to be myself while being a Christian, mm. and that in fact, if I believe in God and that he made me, he would like that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that those were two really big like turning points for me. I will say, I mean, there's so much, but I'll just narrow it down because I feel like I've been deep diving into this for a while now, but all of these women in particular and their work both in books and online. And I will say that a big, a big way that this is so eye-opening for me is that they're women, Mm. they're women. Mm -hmm. And not that I didn't have strong female role models in the church growing up, but they weren't preaching on Sundays Mm. and they weren't leading on the elder board and they weren't doing, making the big decisions and things like that. And so to have women fully step into that role as like, i I you know I believe I can interpret scripture too, and I believe yeah. I can have something valuable to share with you is just been really refreshing and really like, oh, maybe this is what I've been missing mm-hmm. and oh maybe this is what the entire church has been missing mm-hmm. is the voices of people like this so anything by Jen Hatmaker, Glennon Doyle, like you mentioned, Shauna Nequist who's got a really interesting story because she actually grew up in one of these major mega churches her dad was the pastor and had has they've since had a whole big situation there and he stepped down and just so her deconstruction is like 10 times more wow. intense than mine um sarah bessie
0: oh i haven't heard of her
1: uh erin moon who's hilarious by the way uh and meredith miller is in uh, in particular meredith talks a lot about raising kids and faith mm. and a different way to do it so mm. i appreciate that work and then I did find my one of my good friends who I grew up in youth group with, and we've kind of gone through similar processes with this, is she introduced me to a podcast called You Have Permission by Dan Coach, I think is how you say his last name. And this, is, let me just read you the description of this podcast because I feel like it's like, yes, this is what I'm talking about. So many of us have been given bad answers to good questions, questions about God, suffering, fate, science, justice, and more, often by people with pure intentions. But we needn't stop at those pat answers. You have permission to take both Christianity and the modern world seriously. And this podcast will introduce you to people from across the Christian spectrum, engaging these timeless and difficult questions in various ways. Mm. That's exactly what the podcast does. I've found it so helpful to put words to some of what I'm feeling and noticing and like the patterns. And then also just, I think that's like my new faith is having more questions than answers. Mm. And I think that that is... Imp- super important. And again, the opposite of how I was raised, mm-hmm. where the answers were easy. They were clearly and literally spelled out in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And if you just followed this path, then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you might have hardship, but you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't work like that for me. I can't. And maybe that does work like that for some people, but it doesn't work like that for me. So just embracing this new faith that, again, has more questions than answers and being comfortable passing that uncertainty Mm -hmm. but beauty down to my kids Mm -hmm. I think is is where I'm at yeah yeah what role would you say your beliefs play when considering the suffering and injustice of the world oh that's a big question
0: Mm -hmm. I I would say honestly the the enormity of suffering and injustice is is part of what informs my lack of faith and my disinterest in Mm -hmm. in religion Mm -hmm. honestly I have a really hard time imagining a
1: reconciling those yes
0: to imagine a powerful or sentient being when there's so much suffering and Mm -hmm. injustice Mm -hmm. so I would say that's honestly a big a big part of it when I consider suffering and injustice I personally console myself by looking for the helpers as Mr. Rogers Mm -hmm. advised who was himself an ordained minister yep So that, that definitely comes, comes from faith, but although he didn't um, describe it in that way and in believing that most people are good people. And I think ultimately having faith in people and in good people and knowing that we do live in a world with more justice and less suffering than any time in history, Mm, even though we have a lot to remember. It's very hard to remember, but it's true. And so I guess that's something. So, so true. Um, yeah, I would say my faith, what, what I'm holding on to,
1: um, helps me just gain some perspective and zoom out. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a training in thinking about the bigger picture of life and Mm -hmm. about the bigger ways, you know, and that, and that, and getting that young, I'm super grateful for actually, and then focusing on gratitude and on what loving action I can take in light of all the suffering and injustice. It keeps me from being fatalistic, Mm. but also from being complacent. Mm-hmm. I just definitely don't want to be that kind of a Christian. So I would say it prompts me to act overall mm-hmm. and it and it prompts me to act from a place of love, hopefully and openness and understanding instead of fear and anger mm-hmm. and retaliation. You mm-hmm. know, probably the biggest reason I have so much trouble with the current American Christian Church is it feels it does it feels antithetical in so many ways to what we say is the basis of our faith and in the example set by Jesus. And it feels like, are you, are we reading the same Bible? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't understand this. So I, I think that I have this, like, need to be against that kind of, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I want to, I want to especially act in a way that is going to maybe undo some of those wrongs that the church itself Mm -hmm. has inflicted. Mm -hmm. Um, It just blows my mind. Like Jesus says, I did not come to condemn the world, but so he didn't even do it, but somehow we think it's our job. Like it doesn't make any sense to Mm -hmm. me. So I, in terms of like being able to take in the suffering and injustice and still believe in a good God of some sort, I tend to view it. And my understanding is that God is kind of like a good parent in Mm -hmm. some ways. And a good parent doesn't just and that he's and i picture him being heartbroken with us. Mm-hmm. And i don't know that that gets conveyed in religion very often. Mm-hmm. But i feel like if i was a parent, i am a parent. If being a parent you can't always fix everything for your kids yeah. and even if you could it's not always the loving thing to do. Mm-hmm. And there are things that are brought upon themselves by how they
0: mm-hmm.
1: how they act and how and so even if i could wave my magic wand would that be the loving thing to do? Mm-hmm. And if i really believe that god is the ultimate embodiment of pure love Mm -hmm. is he even able to do that Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying so that and again that is a huge philosophical question that Mm -hmm. I am just beginning to grapple with I think but that's kind of the way I picture it Mm -hmm. and I'm comforted by that in a lot of ways because I picture someone you know being there for their kid that is going on this destructive path and all they can do is love them Mm -hmm. you know and it it helps me feel that like God is with us in some sort of way. So mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. What do you think happens when you die?
0: Let's, let's just end
1: it on a yeah. big old question okay. that like, you know, people have fought wars over.
0: That's right. <laughs> so I don't believe there's an afterlife like heaven in, in the way that the traditional Christian church describes but, I do think that life and death are mysteries we will probably never fully know mm-hmm. or understand, mm-hmm. like I said, I acknowledge that I right. do not know so so much. I think I have kind of more of like an earth energy kind of belief that whatever energy and momentum was giving us life returns to the earth and finds new life in mm-hmm. some way, not Recycles necessarily in yeah, not necessarily like the traditional reincarnation yeah. where you're reborn as another being, but surely the life force and the matter in us, I mean, that's just a law of physics, right. like, right. you know, it, it has to go maintained. somewhere. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so is reincorporated into the world in some way. I guess what I do kind of believe in, in terms of an afterlife is the positive impact that you leave on the world. Even if people didn't realize that it was you who made the difference, mm-hmm. maybe they're experiencing something that, uh, you know, was enabled by you, like that makes their life better in a way. And also the memories that people have of you. I would say if I had to like describe it in this way that, that heaven would be to have your loved ones remember you fondly for the rest of their lives and share things about you with other people and for the world to be a better place because you lived. And you so, live on that way. I love that. Yeah. Um, I also want to share, and I think maybe this could be important, that at this point in my life, I have not experienced losing a loved one in an unexpected or tragic way. Mm-hmm. And, and I have no idea how... Having that experience will change my view mm-hmm. on, on that, and, but that is the view I have right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did want to share something. I heard something so beautiful on the Wiser Than Me podcast with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her conversation with Isabel Allende. Mm-hmm. So Isabel was reflecting on the death of her adult daughter, and then a short time after that, the birth of a child. I believe it was a grandchild that Isabel was present for. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of saying, she doesn't know where we go when we die, but she thinks it's the same place as where people are before they're created as new people. Mm. And so she was sharing this memory of when this baby was born. She had this impulse to ask the baby, tell me what is it like where you came from? Mm. Because she felt like that is where her adult daughter Mm. was. And I just, I thought that was so beautiful Mm -hmm. and I kind of have liked thinking about that. And there's just
1: something that is like, we know there's something more or something more all encompassing than just our like physicality. Right. Right. Yes. And, and, that's just a beautiful way to think about it. I like that. Um, yeah, I no longer believe in a literal hell at all. Uh, I don't think that that is what is meant by the Bible, even talking about hell. Like, like I was taught, um, I don't believe in an eternal suffering and separation from God. I don't think that that is what he meant by that either. Actually. I think a lot of us live hell right here on earth Mm. with our choices and with the suffering and with, you know, the way we separate ourselves from love. Um, and in terms of heaven, I'm not sure at this point. I think there definitely, like we've talked about, is a piece of us that is like our essence, right? Mm-hmm. Like our there's a piece of us that is in some way supernatural, mm-hmm. that we have a soul, that we care about where our soul even goes, is like different to me than being an animal who's just very existing and in the moment. But I do think that it may rest in the full peace and contentment of the divine and that mm. pure love, whatever that looks like, but not that that's like a literal destination mm. necessarily. And I mm. think, all, I think there's a lot of ways maybe that looks like you, mm-hmm. the ways that you mentioned, I think so too. I think about when I have lost people in my life and just the gathering and talking about them and how that's like as close to heaven as I've ever felt mm. sometimes that like, let's talk about this thing that transcends you know, that, that continues to live on Mm -hmm. in terms of eternal life. So Mm -hmm. that is a very muddy, but you know, current version of how I view the afterlife.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting to know. Okay. I'm a
1: little teary. I'm a little sweaty. It's a big deal. But what are you currently obsessed with? I think we're, we're ready to move on.
0: Yeah. Okay. Changing topics completely. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about it before, but It is worth highlighting the smitten Kitchen Keepers Cookbook. Oh, do you own it? I don't it? have the Keepers one yet. Okay, please buy it okay. or get it from the library okay. asap. It's like the tried and true, huh? Yes, it is her. I think a hundred or hundred and fifty. She said these are the recipes I would want to like pass down to my oh, kids. Essentially, that's such a cool idea. And so far, truly, every recipe we have tried has been a keeper. Nice. I have been, oh my gosh, they have been so good. Just this weekend, we made two recipes that we were just. Wow. Booing and awing over. So Chris chose this roasted cabbage with rye croutons and sausage, and we Yum. used a veggie field roast instead. Oh my god. That sounds gosh. so good. It was so good. You with your Midwestern you know love I love cabbage. You know, you know I love a cabbage and, and a couple yeah Just <laughs> <laughs> put it all in a bowl. Yes. It Crunchy was croutons. So good. Yum. And I cannot wait to put this on rotation like for the fall. It yeah. was giving me fall vibes. Yeah. And then Cedric picked out the most decadent dessert I think of the book. They are the Lux s'more bars. Okay. So Yum. this is a in a brownie pan, a graham cracker base and then you know like a chocolate mousse, chocolate thick chocolate pudding okay. middle uh-huh. and then this thick meringue, like vanilla Ooh, meringue. Yeah oh my gosh Yum. are they cold are they're, they're like cold. refrigerated exactly Ooh, that sounds they good. were so good i literally think i could eat the whole pan <laughs> and would like to be given the opportunity <laughs> to try <laughs> so. someone please let me <laughs> so anyway that cookbook needs to find its way onto I your shelves it. very soon Ooh, okay. maybe for the fall i mean you know i'll add things to you
1: sure the cart in a flash so I, you don't have to tell me twice um okay i'm obsessed with our new dog
0: what <laughs> You waited until the end of the episode I to tell me. to tell you.
1: <laughs> okay. So we have a new little girl in our family. Her name is Kaya. She oh. is a mini Labradoodle rescue. What? And oh my she's, gosh. This is kind of a crazy story. I mean, this was nowhere on our no, wait, radar wait, Is that whatsoever. her breed, a mini or just she's a mini small? Labradoodle? Okay. So she's mixed with miniature poodle and lab. So oh she's gosh. like 39 pounds instead of like a big okay. Labradoodle size. So she's four and a half years old. She was, um, used for breeding and actually the lady who fostered Peggy, our three-legged pit bull, uh, we've kept in touch just on Instagram and whatever. And she ended up with her because her owner is, is terminal with cancer and just been a really, she's Mm. been passed around a couple of times, sold a couple of times because she's like one of these designer breeds, Mm. you know, and, um anyway so she hasn't had a permanent home so our the lady who fosters said i will take her until we find her the good home so she doesn't get passed around anymore and she texted me saturday night and was like okay i thought of you guys when i tell you this is the most angelic perfect dog you will ever meet in your life and she's playful but snuggly she loves kids and other dogs she is so obedient Would you be interested at all? If not, no pressure. I'm keeping her anyways until we find the right home. But I just thought of you guys first.
0: So Mr.
1: Lad was on a work trip (laughs) and she sent me pictures and told me this. And she's like, I just know, like with Peggy and Peggy's got the older Chihuahua, so she doesn't get to play maybe. So maybe they would really get along well. So, Mr. Lad came home and we agreed to, like, okay, well, you can bring her over and we'll see how they get along and then maybe, you know, try it out. Mm-hmm. So, technically, we're trying it out right now, okay. but I'm going to tell you right now, she's staying. <laughs> she's a lad. Yeah. So, welcome, Kaya oh, Lad, to Kaya. the family. Oh she my is gosh. the sweetest I can't thing. she actually see some been pictures. really good for Peggy already because oh. I think, you know, Chihuahua, Buddy has been great about putting her in her place right. and not letting her be a crazy puppy, but also then she hasn't been like, Real socialized with like the normal way to play and to like roughhouse with other dogs. So she has just been perfect so far. They took a little adjustment period, you know, kind of figuring out the Mm -hmm. hierarchy. Buddy has laid down the law with her as well <laughs> but now they you know they're tearing around the house together oh, man. wearing each other it, out, wearing I'm each sure. other out which is so nice because like the morning after peggy eats she's always so wild but it's been so hot we can't take a walk and she's got three legs we got to be careful so they just ran around the playroom and they were both like happy as punch after that so Aww, we just love her that is and so sweet i never thought i'd have a labradoodle of any sort but She's a little rescue girl. That's and just how they come into yep, your life. Yep, that's how all of our dogs come into our life. So, oh, oh my, gosh. we are going to keep her. That is awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening and engaging curiously and respectfully with this topic alongside of us. We would love to hear your thoughts. As always, I am sure there are people who can relate to mm-hmm. all of this on yeah. some level. Um, you can find us in between episodes on Instagram. We're Hi Girls Next Door. And the show notes for this episode are at our website, com. And as always, we love to get your emails
0: at highgirlsnextdoor at com. Thanks so much for dropping in. Until next time, be neighborly.
1: sensitive and sometimes divisive topic divisive nope stop I'm gonna start over talking about faith can be a very sensitive and sometimes divisive why can't I say the word divisive,
0: <laughs> divisive. Divisible. Mm-hmm. divisible okay honestly I don't really need to go down that road <laughs> <laughs> we got a
1: lot of roads to travel here today
0: we still have a lot of roads what was I even saying before that okay
1: I love when we get stuck and just start, like, three sentences before finishing one. I know. <laughs> she turned me on. No, I don't like the phrase. <laughs> <laughs>
0: she turned me on.
1: She, she could have. <laughs> I'm open. Okay. She introduced me to a podcast, You Have Permission, by Don Dick. My
0: God, I'm having a hard Don time talking. Don Dick. <laughs> Tom Dick and Harry. Okay. And pause for my low battery. Leave you on that cliffhanger. Oh, <laughs> you're
1: gonna say something crazy like, "I actually believe we are all reincarnated into cats."
0: <laughs> that would be amazing. I wish I could drop that bomb on you, right? Just like what, Kelsey? <laughs> um.